What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we have a famous episode. We are talking about Blood Oath. Uh, Mike has already said to me how excited he is to talk about this episode. I'm excited to talk about this episode, too. Uh, so uh, how's it going, Mike? I, I am, am Juice. Yes. I well, and I I, I finished the because I noted it yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, Mike's going to be excited about this one." So, so many things. I have so many thoughts. Uh, either you or no, I don't think it was you. I think it was a a a viewer on the YouTube or perhaps a patron who said, "I'm so excited for next week," which to me meant either it was going to blow huge chunks, it could or be terrible, be or excellent. Great. And <laughs> I think I know where I stand now. That all said, Keith, I watched this episode hmm. mere moments ago. Mere moments yes, ago. So fresh. Uh so fresh and so clean. So I'm I'm processing my thoughts and it, it, we've been known to I've been known to change my opinion in real time as you talk. As you flap your gum flaps. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been known to change my opinions. Keith, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank uh mm. the YouTube public. Uh, I think that we are getting pushed into people's recommended feed a little bit. So we're seeing some new folks, we're seeing some numbers. Uh Keith and I just bumbled our way through oh the first God. hour of a point-and-click adventure game from 1994, and y'all have enjoyed it and watched it, so we thank you for that. We are going to continue playing that. Yeah, uh, we're definitely going to do more of that. Uh, so thank you. Thank you to those who have been watching K&M Geekly. Uh, you've watched us already on Monday, so you already probably saw us talk about our our giddiness about us being in 60 frames and Keith being full-res Keith, so we won't belabor those points That's here. That's right. Of, of course, you know, Mike's Mike's last comment was, damn, now our power dynamics have equalized based <laughs> on our frame rate. I think that explains so much about A, our relationship <laughs> yeah. and the way our minds work. Well, Keith, it took us uh, f f three years and 15 votes, but we finally appointed you full res uh, speaker of the In house. Indeed. I mean, and <laughs> it, it's so weird because somebody tried to punch Matt Gates here, too. It's yeah. really weird. Oh, yeah, well, I should, I wish I could, I should have, had I, had I not done this graphic yesterday, I would have put just a hand over your face. <laughs> but oh anyway, God. no politics, all no politics. right. Well, uh, all right. So, uh, we, I am thankful to move on from that. Mike, who else am I thankful for this week? Uh, speaking of those who love us, support us, and have, take the time to write us emails telling us that they love us and support us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we thank you to all of our patrons which used to have its own thing. Uh, it's, no, It's never changed. It, it did have a... Oh, yeah, there they are. There it is. Uh, <laughs> you, you talk, because I've, I've got to replace the footer again, so... Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's... Is it different now? That's not the right footer. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. We're doing Blood Oath, not Profit and Loss. Oh, 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 you meant that footer. Oh, boy. Keith, the thing about doing it live is that I no longer am putting it through the edit and cutting this stuff. So anyway, hey, <laughs> hey, thank you, Brian Kaufman. Thank mm. you, Casey Clark. We love you, Cloud Lover sixty nine. I appreciate you, Jason Moe. Andrew Hayes, you will always be my toonie. Jorge Navoa, miss you, buddy. Haven't heard from you in a while. What's up? And the mysterious, she's not as mysterious as we think, Keith. Because you know what? No. She lets us know. She loves us. She cares about us. She writes us novels, and I read them. Worf's boot shivs. Oh, we got to see lots of you today. CRM Productions, appreciate your work. Charles Babbage, man, I used mm. to shop at Babbage, but now you shop at me. At, <laughs> at 
Grim Toys. You shop at me? At Grim underscore toys. I love you as much as I love an ampersand. Delusions at noon. It's mm. not a delusion. I appreciate you. Eric Wilson. Wilson! I'll never let go. Thank you to our patrons. Join the team at patreon.com slash K and M. Wow. Now you have stalled long enough for it to have switched. The miracle of uh, Mike stalling and technology has a and Dropbox. Hey, you know what? Dropbox, A+. The ability for me to edit it here in New Jersey, it goes via Philadelphia to your eye holes. Uh, here we are. We have the right Ooh. footer. What a day. All right. Well, I think we should get in and talk about this show. What yes, do you say? I think we should. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to read about. So let's get right into the goodness. Okay. So Blood Oath aired on March 27th, 1994. My younger brother's birthday is coming up. Um, I have, I have some good news, Mike. What's that? Uh, about our top song. Oh, I can't wait. You're, yeah. You are not going to need to ask for directions. You want to know why, Mike? Why is that? Because maybe you saw the sign. Keith, did it open up my eyes? I saw the sign. Gonna think of Patreon. They're watching us play some video games. Go back to where you belong. Yes, there it is. Ace of Bay still uh, filling up our ears with mid-90s songs the top movie speaking of 90s movies are you ready for this it's a sport it's it's my favorite sport the whole wide world uh not my favorite team but it is a great team it is the mighty ducks d2 the sequel to the mighty ducks was the top movie mike what were we watching here on March 27th, 1994. Keith, many of the same things we've been watching, but something to point out. Uh, Mm. Fox animation was getting big at the time. uh, And so they were trying something out in pre-prime time. So before Martin, Martin started their prime time block, right? Martin followed by Living Single, Married with Children, the George Carlin show, we've talked about it. But they were putting in pre-prime time now New episodes of Tiny Toon Adventures were airing in seven o'clock pre prime time. I forgot about that. Really? So, so Tiny Toon Adventures was leading in to Martin, which is pretty interesting. And on NBC, Keith, something you like, and we don't actually talk about as much on the show, but I believe you've shared with me. Perhaps I dreamed it in a fever dream. That's possible. Was the World Figure Skating Championships. I believe you are a fan of figure skating. Yes? I love figure skating uh, for sure. I was I was retweeting Christy Yamaguchi this week. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yes, because she shares your disdain for the over-marketing of green screen marketing in professional hockey, yes? That's right. Yes, indeed. So, uh, I, you know, I got to retweet one of my middle school crushes. And for those of you where we were airing in the Saturday market, Keith, two points of interest on the television here, March 26th, 1994. Uh, we were watching Saturday night at the movies on ABC, Keith, one of your Ooh. a sequel to one of your faves, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Oh, of course. Well, and a classic Star Trek. Bob Picardo is a major character in this. Uh, So that is what we were watching. Keith, back to you. Okay. Well, all right. Well, enough of that nonsense. It is time to talk about the hard news, the hard-hitting, important news. Uh, If only he could have done it. Michael Jackson plans to fake his own death. Mm. Uh, 
with some uh, truly excellent photoshopping there. Uh, they were like, Michael somebody Jackson. get me a zombie? Mm-hmm. Blur it with a Michael Jackson and a and a bald guy? Uh-huh. Looks yeah, like I'm a- seeing Elvis is up there somewhere. Something happened with Elvis. There's a there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, the the uh, John Fannin's Hollywood column is full of great little nuggets there. Oh, Michael Jackson, I can't believe you have a show running on Broadway that's selling out, and everybody's like, "Yeah, let's give them money." Anyway, and the- talk about none of it. Oh, great performances geez. though. Great performances. I'm sure. Uh, I'm not in a big hurry to go. Uh, all right. So anyway, the let's talk about Blood Oath, shall we? Sure. This episode was directed by Weinrich Colby, who last directed Armageddon Game, and is written by Peter Allen Fields, who last wrote Unnecessary Evil, based on materials by Andrea Moore Alton, uh, whom this is their only IMDb credit. So this seems like a spec idea that got sent in. Uh, and boy, did they run with it. Mm. Okay, uh, what do you say we run with some trivial trivia? We should do that. Now, Keith, waste your time with Trivial Trivia. All right. So, obviously, one of the main reasons this episode is famous is that it brings back the three most famous Klingons from the original series. And incredibly brought back the actors who played the original Klingons. But before they did this in pre-production, you know what? They had to figure out, uh, hey, uh, are these people still alive and still working? So they had to check out if uh, Michael and Sarah and John Kalukos were even still acting. But guess what? They all were. So uh, we can see here on the screen um, the images of them in the original series versus how they showed up on Deep Space Nine. We'll certainly talk a great deal more about the changes in Klingon physiology, but uh, it is remarkable that they got the original actors. Of course, now uh, that I am old, it is less astounding to me that it was uh, it was 27 years that they waited to film from the original series to this, which is less time than Deep Space Nine to today. So, yes, Mike? Keith, can yes. I deep cut K&M Entertainment lore? You sure can. True or false? Hmm. We have either requested, seen, or seen a custom of Koloth. We have seen an actual Koloth figure made in uh, in Playmates Warp Factor Series 5, I believe. Okay, so look so it up on the have, tube, but I know that that screenshot seems vaguely familiar to me. We have seen a figure of that, and we have requested figures of the other two mm-hmm. in, our, uh, in our, our What We Would Like to Playmates to Make series. Check out your, uh, you know, we've got playlists on the K&M Empire. Uh, but anyway, so... 27 years is actually not as much, not as long as we waited for Quark to come back and uh, and do a cameo on uh, on Lower Decks. So uh, it's seems like an insurmountable insurmountable amount of time when you're 13, and now it's like, yeah, yeah, it's totally doable. Should I show that other picture or not yet? I forget what the other picture was. Oh no no no! Wait wait on that. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, 20 as I mentioned, 27 years 
took place between filming the original series and this, and it was actually 103 years in the timeline. So we learn here that Klingons are pretty long-lived. Uh, also, when Kor forces the open the hollow suite doors, of course, I'm sure you heard it, it makes the sound of the original series Enterprise Door, That's uh, cool. which That's is cool. a little Easter egg thrown in there, possibly, probably by my uncle, but probably demanded by producers, because he <laughs> who knows whether yeah. that was his choice or the producer's choice. I bet it was the producer's choice. Uh, Anyway, and lastly, William Campbell, uh, who plays Koloth, also played Trelane in the original series. Oh, okay. And we have seen we have his seen figure yeah. in Look at My Star Trek Toys. Mike, I know you have a great deal of information highlighted from the Deep Space Nine companion. I do, and I believe I have to do it this way. You sure do. And now... And now, 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 now. We present information from the deep space Wow, I regret that already. Writer Peter Allen Fields was already in the process of putting together a story about Dax and some old Klingon acquaintances of Curzon's when Robert Wolf. Uh, a fan of the original series suggested, hey, why don't we use the characters Kankor and Koloff? Once he mentioned it, it seemed natural, says Fields. Although the producers were certain the actors were still alive, they weren't sure if they were still acting, and Keith already told us about that casting thing. Um, the only person they couldn't locate was Campbell. But it turns out he was right under our noses the whole time, Keith. He was doing the Star Trek convention cruises. That's where they found yes. him. Uh, well, Klingons seem to be very, very old, so it's a natural physical metamorphosis. That comment may have been tongue-in-cheek, but the look of the three Klingons was actually discussed behind the scenes. We all had conversations about, should they look like the original Klingons? But ultimately, he says, they made a decision to keep the current Klingon makeup and assume that they'd always just looked that way. So I assume, so I guess the whole makeup of Klingons has changed over the years? Oh, well, boy, that that is a, uh, that's, that's a long-running issue, <laughs> because the Klingons keep changing how they look. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Disco changed them again for reasons beyond my understanding. Uh, but the original series Klingons were just guys with big eyebrows sort of painted brownish. Oh, they, without the whole the forehead sculpting. They did not have it. That The forehead stuff was added for uh, the motion picture in 1979. Interesting that, like, you see, Star Trek fights with this. So, not Star Trek. Star Wars fights with this all the time. They make adjustments in the previous films, and then they have to, like, go back and re-release all the old films to fix stuff. When in reality, I think, especially when dealing with TV lore, it's like, eh, our, our memories will fill in the gaps. Yeah, they're not going to go back. And 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 it had not been determined a canon reason why yet. Um, however, on Enterprise they did actually have an in-canon explanation as to why they look different. Continuing on, Field's store, original story was called The Beast and was patterned on a classic Kurosawa blend of uh, revenge and redemption. I sweated a lot while I was trying to write it, he says. I wanted each of the guys to be their own unique, uh, specific character in Kurosawa lore. Koroth, blah, 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 blah. As for Kor, we weren't sure about him, admits Bear. His character was a tougher nut to crack. Ultimately, feel patterned Kor's persona on a character not from Japanese or American Western prototypes, but on Shakespeare's Falstaff. Falstaff, uh, Which of mixed a few metaphors, but certainly worked for the plot. Of course. My favorite bit uh, here, 
Actor Terry Farrell loved the vivid characterizations, which forced her own character to interact in a specific way with each Klingon in order to accomplish the trio on their journey. With Kor, I had to convince him that he was a hero, and then in my eyes, he would always be a hero. So that was philosophical. She continued, with Koloth, I had to prove that I was strong enough to go to battle with him, so that was physical. And with Kang, I had to prove to him that my desire and need to be part of the Blood Oath was strong enough that I could not imagine staying behind, that I was mentally strong. So I had to exhibit honor, the physical strength, and the mental perseverance to go with them. I loved the challenge as an actress. What a great examination. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keith, the exteriors of the Albino's Fortress were shot on location in Pasadena at a large house designed by famed architect... Frank Lloyd Wright. Right. The fight scenes choreographed by stunt coordinator Dennis Malone, uh, excuse me, Matt Malone, and resident Klingon martial arts expert Curry. Dennis and I get along very well, so there was no sense of stepping on anybody's toes, says Curry. I'd go over and hang out while they were there and rehearsing, and I'd say, hey, maybe this move might be better. We were concerned that the two days we would spend in the albino hall would just kill us in terms of work time. So my only instruction to Dennis was, don't go overboard. I'll handle the stuff up on the steps. Kolb decided that Kang's death scene would be on the platform at the top of the stairs. I loved that angle. It demanded to be staged up there, he says. Very operatic. According to Fields, however, the angle may have eliminated the one element he felt was missing in the scene and in the episode. They didn't go to a close shot of Kang dying, Fields says. When a character is dying, you shouldn't be on a long shot. I really missed that close up. To get everyone into an appropriately operatic mood for the sequence, Kolb requested that the sound department blast out the Wagner opera... Holy crap. Gadar Damarung? Pretty close. Okay. A fitting epic about the twilight of the gods on cassette recorder throughout the whole damn thing. (laughs) Composer Dennis McCarthy scores the episode with a similar verve. Discussing the tone of the show with co-producer Steve Oster, McCarthy says he decided to really kick some ass and make it a take-no-prisoners kind of show, dropping any attempt at subtlety. McCarthy instructed the orchestra to play the battles as battles. We just went for it. And what I remember about this episode is the force of the music. Awesome. Great, great stuff. I've, you know what? I was, you know how you're, you're getting good at knowing what I'm going to say in the recaps? I know which, uh, which parts of the book you're going to grab, so I don't put them in trivia. trivia. Keith, we're, it's almost like as Deep Space Nine is reaching its peak, mm-hmm. we're uh, not even close to ours. No, well, I mean, we are definitely crumbling slowly on on your screen, but now we're crumbling slowly in 60 frames per second. Yeah, that's true. All right, so what was Next Generation doing during this episode? Well, we were seeing Journey's End, in which Wesley goes off with the creepy guy who was obsessed with him as a kid. Uh, okay. Next Gen fans will know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, but it is our send-off of Wesley Crusher. Uh Next Generation was only, what, five or six episodes from the end oh. at this point. It's crazy. We are deep into season seven of uh, Next Generation. Single tier uh, coming up. All right. Our guest stars this week, of course, are the aforementioned John Colicos as Core, who was first seen in the original series Errand of Mercy. William Campbell, who plays Koloth, who we, we got to know in Trouble with Tribbles. Uh Hang on to your hat, kids. We got more to do with that episode. We have Michael and Sarah playing Kang from Day of the Dove. And lastly, Bill Bolander as the albino. Mike, let's get into our screening room. What do you say? 
pa 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 Okay, it is time to talk about Blood Oath, the actual episode. So in our teaser, we begin with Quark complaining to Odo that some Klingon has overspent his Sweet time fighting a famous Klingon battle from a century ago. Okay, he is Fair. not coming out until he wins, and he keeps losing. Odo, not surprisingly, is not sympathetic, but goes to kick him out. He tells Quark to cut the power. The power goes down, and an angry, drunk Klingon opens the door. Odo diplomatically convinces him to leave. Later, we see, and that's where we hear the uh, the Enterprise doors opening. Later, we see that same Klingon passed out in the drunk tank. Odo stares at his pad for a very, very long time before noticing that another Klingon has arrived by surprise in his office. And folks, it's Koloth, the famous Klingon from Trouble with Tribbles. And he explains that the drunk is Dahar Master Kor from Errand of Mercy. Odo tells him he's free to go with Koloth, but Koloth says, I don't fight with drunks. You keep him. I thought what was cool here, Keith, is that even a plebeian like me who doesn't know what a a, a, a Dahar Master. Dahar. I was going to say Duluth, but that's where, like, uh, <laughs> f- uh, volunteer firemen buy their pants. Um, <laughs> and my brother, it turns out. Um, but your brother could very so easily be a volunteer fireman. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it pretty much perfectly encapsulates him. Anyway, uh, even a person who doesn't know what that is, the context and the reverence with which Renee here pr- plays the response to that line of dialogue really, uh, really set the stage for me. He's like, oh, snap. Well, I, you know, speaking of like learning that for, through context clues, uh, somebody out there tell me, uh, because t- who knows the original series better than I do, and I don't know it, but I don't know it super, super well. Is this the first reference we get of a Dahar Master? Or was it referenced in uh, the original series? Because I do not believe it was ever referenced in Next Gen uh, and not in Deep Space Nine up to this point. I still could be wrong about both of those, but I think that's true. Uh, so somebody comment below, is this the first reference to it? It will not be the last. Uh, okay, so Odo arrives on Ops in Act 1 and complains to Kira about having a Klingon afternoon. When he says it's core, Dax immediately hops up and brings Odo back to the brig. Dax talks to Kor and reminds Kor of his old friend, Curzon Dax. Then she proves that she used to be him. Kor is delighted. They haven't seen each other in 80 years. And then, uh, in one of my favorite moments in all of Trek, and this is where you can pull up that extra picture, he demonstrates exactly how to treat friends. Now keep waste your... There you go. He demonstrates exactly how to treat friends who may have transitioned or changed their pronouns or name. Uh, They nailed it. And it's basically this couplet. Curzon, my beloved old friend, I'm Jadzia now. Jadzia, my beloved old friend. 
Yeah. There it is, kids. That's all you got to do. It's he and and it is a uh, remarkable little couplet there that I don't that, that went well over my head um, as a as a kid. But now you see this meme all over the place when uh, you know people who may be trans or have changed their their pronouns or their gender be like, "How do you want to, How do you want to be treated?" Boom! Right here, nineteen ninety four Star Trek, uh, just fantastic. Nailed it. Um, anyway, we head off and find Koloth cutting his flan with a giant knife on the promenade. Kor teases him, and Dax teases Koloth about being a pain in the ass battling the Federation back in the day. You know, I'll, I'll point out now, I'm going to struggle to keep up because I took a gargantuan amount of screenshots because, and it's a lot of just like two shots in this episode for a while yeah. before it gets goes batshit. But uh, I just thought the lighting, the shot setup selection, the yeah. angles, the makeup, the lighting, everything was working for me. The, 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 the choreo, this blocking, everything was firing. So I was like just trying to capture as much as I could. And, and, you know, and makeup is important here, right? Because especially considering how considered it had to be, we're bringing back these Klingon legends and we're going to change them. Mm -hmm. And how do we give them now Klingon appearances? And you have the forehead ridges and all, and the nose and all of that kind of stuff. And yet still be recognizable mm -hmm. as the, the, the actors and the, the previous Klingons. What's the point in bringing back the original actors if they're not recognizable? Or if they're not um, good, really, because that's, you know, that's a consideration too. Like they're all excellent and different and have different intentions, have different reservations. And, and, and each one is so clear. Now that's, a, I think, a, we'll talk about it later. That's a, a great nod to the, the writing, the dialogue and the direction. But at the same time, the performances are excellent. Well, and I, I think that, I mean, if you especially talk about the performances, right? The style of acting from 1967 is very different than mm -hmm. 1994. And the Klingon characters on the original series were all not nearly as specific as they ended up here. So they had to sort of build characters for these three Klingons, as opposed to like, I'm just a Klingon baddie in, in 67. Now they have to be three separate people. Mm. And of course you have, you have license to do that because a hundred years have gone past and these people have, have lived lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I wrote down so many great pieces of writing in this, um, but I think the characterization there is important and uh, how quickly they're able to fill in a hundred years of backstory mm -hmm. for these characters, including the backstory they had with Curzon Dax. Right. And to be able to do that for three separate characters as quickly as they do is, is really excellent work. And how quickly uh, the plot of this moves along, right? They don't, they're not hiding anything from us. They're not keeping any mystery from us. We get right to it and it's firing. The, the pacing is quick the whole way through. Uh, yeah. Well, it has to be because yeah. like we, we have an entire film's worth of. Yeah. We have a know, 45 this, minute Kurosawa film. Yeah, uh, spaghetti easily, yeah. easily could have been 90 minutes. It easily could have been a two-hour movie. Uh, and yet they really, it doesn't feel like it's been trimmed. Uh, so we find out that Dax and Koloth met uh, negotiating a treaty between the Federations and the Klingons. And, uh, and certainly uh, in Koloth's day, 
they were an adversary. They were actively at war with the Federation. And so um, this is how Curzon got to meet all of the Klingons uh, because he was a Federation negotiator. And I think that I'm going to be complimenting the the writing a lot this episode. I just think it's far and away from me the best script we've had in two seasons. This the most succinct, the most stake-filled, the most filled in. And what they do really, really smart here is obviously, like Keith said, we have a full film in 45 minutes, so there's got to be an exposition dump somewhere. And we get it here. This is the scene, I think. And the way they're able to hide that is by having Jadzia recounting almost in real time the memories she's pulling from Curzon whilst also proving to them that she's the same entity. So it's serving they, dual they purposes. They had a reason for yes. her to... It's motivated. To explain that, yeah. I mean, it still feels a little bit like an exposition dump, but whatever, that's that's TV, but right? It's, it, but but it's, it's not just raw exposition dump because, like you said, it's motivated by a desire to persuade, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, to persuade, like, I am this person, trust me, but also, like, it's tailored to each specific person. So the way that she does it, um, the way that she persuades each person is different. So it's not, we're getting more than just the raw information. Uh, so this scene ends when the third member of our Klingon delegation shows up. Kang shows up and says, I found the albino. So big news. We don't know what that means yet. Uh but we well, had Keith, to I think Dax's... it means that they lack a pigment and that they're oh, going to be a little uh-huh. less colored, like a white, you know, like an albano rhino is a white rhino. Uh-huh. Do you ever read Banicula? Yeah, the bunny. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, in Dax's quarters, Kang and Koloth are having a harder time adjusting to the Jadzia of it all, despite Dax being the godfather to Kang's son. Dax says, I'm here for the blood oath. And Kang says he's tracked down the location of said albino, and he's got a compound hidden away and only has 40 men protecting him. He found some of this information from traitors, and this is a detail that sort of got glossed over, but I'm like, oh shit. Uh, He found some of this information from traitors that apparently he killed to prevent them from warning the albino. They're, they're, They're taking this blood oath seriously. You know, well, it's very Klingon, mm-hmm. right? It's that's that's how they roll. Um, but his plan is to cut out the heart of the albino and eat it while he watches. So subtle, it's to the point. Yeah, to the point. You know, it's a it's, he's he's really expressing his feelings. Mm-hmm. So in Act Two, we continue the story of what happened here, and apparently they all tried to kill the albino before, but he keeps getting away. Kang asks Jadzia how Curzon died, and he is disappointed to hear that he died in a hospital and not in battle, because I don't know how much... Yes, Mike, you you may or may not know this, but it is very important important for Klingons to die in battle. Yeah, I remember remember Worf uh, getting operated on, and he didn't want to die with his son watching him because he's like, this is a coward's way to die. I should be out there fighting battles. And the son's like, how about you just don't die? Yeah. Yeah, well, there it is. Keith, I had so, I had I had COVID when I was watching that episode, as I that's recall. True. I, your recall for that episode is remarkable, considering yeah. that you were you were COVID, Mike. Uh-huh. I also what I loved about this scene to bring it back to what we're doing 
is, and it's very, I imagine it's very in with the Klingon and their honor, right? Like, very easily the schlocky way to write this episode is they guilt her into it, right? And she has to deal with, like, I don't want to do this, but I'm being guilted into it. But no, they let her off the hook right away, Keith. So the ethical dilemma will be hers as to dealing with her honor and what she feels she should do in this moment rather than being guilted into it, which is, doesn't well, sound like a Klingon thing to do anyway. No, but I, but I think it's, it's, it's a great way to spend this episode learning something about her yeah. as opposed to learning something about them. Yeah, it's always, I think, a better, it makes for a better show when you give the character agency instead of removing it from them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's a, it's a great sort of flip of your expectations here, and I love it. Uh, so we learn that Curzon negotiated peace between the Klingons and the Federation because he was the first to truly understand the nature of Klingons. And Jadzia says she's still in on the blood oath to eat the heart of the albino, despite Kang's understanding that Trills owe no obligations to previous hosts. Um, so we're, you know, we knew that before, but it's really relevant to this particular situation. And she brings some class to it. And she's like, you know, we're not going to eat the heart without like at least a nice Chianti. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, so Kang is sad that the Klingon empire is not feared like it used to be. And that Klingon warriors are now opening up restaurants and feeding the grandchildren of the people Kang used to slaughter in battle. Sick burn. Great line, though. Yeah. I mean, just uh, I, there's so many unbelievably great bits of dialogue in this. In this, it's just. I mean, he's like it, and he's also making a subtle nod to the one other Klingon we've seen because we haven't really seen a lot of Klingons. We saw the guy singing opera and serving Koch. I, yeah, woo, rah, gach. Rach, yeah. Rach and gach. Uh, Mike, uh, it's probably not going to be a giant spoiler. We're going to see more Klingons. Yeah, I, I pick up on that, yeah. We, we're going to see a lot more so Klingons. So badass, so badass. Oh, you, The hair, too, man. Dude, we haven't even got, we haven't even scratched the surface of the to Klingon To all our custom badassery. builders out there, too. Don't forget, I forget who it was, Keith. Who was the artist who, like, did the re-sculpt of the hair? Oh, in our in our last episode, that was Graham Goodwin. Is that right? Whomever it was, if, I, if I'm right off the top of my head, I I want a medal of some. Sort. I feel like said person should go back and take a relook at all of the because the, all the Klingons that we've seen on on Look at My Toys deserve this kind of hair that these characters have. They deserve the full hair redux. It is Graham Goodwin. Yeah, Graham, you got you got to give me that Klingon that Klingon do updo. Yeah. Well, that's uh, they, they must have spent so much money on like Klingon wigs. Mm. Uh, yeah, giant. Wig on. All right, here we go. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's a great line about the uh, the restaurant, and he releases Jadzia from Curzon's oath. Later on Ops, uh, Dax is wrestling with this, and she abruptly asks Kira how many people she killed in the occupation. So no small talk, no transition. She does the thing. Everybody hates Keith. We're like, hey, what do you think about? Yeah, no, forget it. And the person's like, what? What are you talking about? Why would you bring it up? But in, but like times a million because she's like, hey, have you ever slaughtered someone mercilessly? Forget it. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. How does that, how does that feel? Well, she, she says she'll stop asking if it bothers Kira. And this was another great little writing moment. And instantly and here like, goes, it bothers me. It bothers me. Yeah. Right? Which you never expect to hear that mm-hmm. 
Subverting, sub, subverting uh, expectation again. I love it. I love the honesty of it. I love, I love the way, I, you know, Kira has like three lines in this entire episode, but that line taught me a lot about Kira. Yeah. Not necessarily that it bothers her that she killed everybody, but the fact that she didn't, that she was honest and mm-hmm. didn't sort of like socially spackle that a little bit. But what's more, she she showed that weakness, or I should say that uh, vulnerability. vulnerability, and then yet embraces it and faces it so that she can help her friend. Yeah, yeah. Counsel She's, her friend. Well, and that's and that is what true friendship is. That's what true bravery is. It's like, I'm uncomfortable, and I'm going to still do it to, to take care of the people I love. It's great. So Dax is wrestling with the ethics of the oath and the fact that she's thinking about killing somebody. She explains that 80 years ago, this albino was raiding Klingon colonies, which is a really brave thing to do. (laughs) And three ships were sent to stop him, led by Kang, Koloth, and Kor were the three captains of the ships. They stopped him, but the albino got away and killed each of their firstborn children. One of them being Curzon's grandson, godson, named Dax. Uh, so this is why they want to cut out his heart and eat it. And Kira tries to talk her out of keeping the oath, but Dax still feels obligated. And Kira says, when you take someone's life, you lose some of your own. Um, which she knows. Uh this is I love this screenshot because this is two actresses. You don't need to know the scene. You don't need to know the dialogue, but you can yeah. look at their faces and see exactly what their intentions are and the they're, stakes. Yeah. They're in yeah. a scene right there. That's a that's a great screenshot for the performances. Also, the complexity of lighting that shot. Mm. Because think about how backlit Kira, Kira is, is yeah. in that shot. And so in order to see her at all, and not her have her be entirely silhouetted. There's got to be a ton of front-facing light on her just to see her with that backlight, and yet not overwhelm Dax, where that the lights the light source is coming from her yeah, panel. The ISO has got to be like four. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, it, the professionalism yeah. of the because you know you really think about it, lighting on this station has got to be unbelievably difficult to film uh, because in on next gen, the enterprise is very bright. It's sort of a wash light, mm-hmm. but deep space nine, it's super dark, super bright in all of these strips and bops and bips. And it's like unbelievable camera just from a technical standpoint, camera work. So I watched this episode and did the screenshots. And then, you know, I asked you to buy me an extra 15 minutes so that I could go through the companion. But also, you know what I did is I pulled mm. up the uh, MKV file on my OLED. Cause you know, OLED's known oh. for its, its blacks, yeah. its black reproduction. Oh my God. Does this look, does the AI upscale look so good on 4K OLED? It is like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to re- set up how i'm gonna watch this now like i can't watch it on my computer anymore <laughs> i have yeah. to watch it on that screen oh so cool so cool anyway and it's 1994 yeah 1994 they you're the fact that this show isn't i'm telling you man I, it well but, it's so cinematic it's becoming so cinematic it's sort of making next gen when i look back that like when it's on bbc america 
look kind of like not granted oh, it's got sure. 10 years on it or whatever but well not i mean not really i'm We're like this is a, this is d- it doing its own thing really it's well very much doing i don't know how i thing. missed this i don't know how i missed well, it the first i time know around. well aren't you glad i roped you into this i am i am indeed this episode uh, this episode reaffirmed i'm like super fanning right now oh just you wait um yeah, well, I, I think the one of the reasons it looks so cinematic as opposed to what else we see in 1994 is even though this has not been rescanned or upscaled or remastered in any way, shape, or form other than the digital, the, the AI stuff, uh, this was shot on 35-millimeter film. So this was not done on video. This was not done on anything cheap. This is the actual cinematic 35 millimeter, the same thing. Oh you man, see Star so Wars they on. could go back and like clean up, restore that, that they film. Absolutely. And like well, that's what they did with, with next gen. They did the whole thing with next gen, but they haven't done it yet with the others because. Oh man, give me a steel book, Blu-ray recapture. Oh baby. You are not the only one desperate for that to happen. Oof. The problem is they, I think I mentioned it on the show before, but they did this astounding amount of work getting next gen ups you know like they went back and rescaled and recut they went back to the original negatives the original film and literally physically cut and rescanned the entire thing and they had to redo all the special effects because all the digital effects were done on video after it had already been exported so they were they were not nearly high resolution enough all the all the all the vfx shots so they had to redo them contemporaneously to make them look like they had originally. So all of that had to be completely redone. Um, and it was, it's, they spent millions, like literally millions of dollars doing this. Uh, and then they're like, it's fine. We're going to make it all back in the Blu-ray. It's going to be great. And Netflix. Yeah. And then Paramount, and, right? And nobody bought blue. Like it was literally like five minutes after Blu-rays be- were, were dead. Anyway, we've talked about this before. So but was it uh, shot in 24 or is it, Network was thirty at the time. I don't, I don't know was, that much about broadcast. I think it was thirty always. It, I, it was it was thirty. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did I'm assuming they shot it on at thirty frames, but on thirty five millimeter film. Um, but they also they could have shot it at twenty four or twenty three nine, whatever I think was the yeah, and then and then just yeah. cranked it up. I don't know. That's that's a good question. Somebody Technical probably knows folks yeah. out there. Was your was uncle Star might Trek... actually know? We could talk to your uncle about that. Uh, well, that's he would know the audio. I, he, I don't think he would know. Well, he actually he might know the frame rate. Because he would have to know that for sync for sync sake. Well, and he's endlessly work. You know, was working from frame to frame, syncing right. the sounds. Uh, we got to get on true. that interview, man. Yeah, yeah, I got to do that. Uh, where the heck was I? Uh, Okay, so back at Quarks, a freshly drunk core is hanging out with two Dabo ladies. Great. Every also, sorry, every establishing shot for every new for every new setup is expertly done in this episode. Yeah. Great setup shot right here. And the and the tilt up. Yep. Yep. So uh he's hanging out with two Dabo ladies. Whew, 14-year-old me was excited about that shot. Uh, Dax comes in and tells him, I'm in on the blood oath. and But Kang and Koloth don't want her to go. But Kor, totally up for it. Yep. Come on in. He thinks he can't convince them. But then she reminds him of his glory days. And he gives another fantastic line, which I think is so appropriate to me 
He says, uh, I was once far less than you see, referring to his body, which he describes as bulbous, and far more than I've become. Ugh. I'm once far less... Uh, I was once far less than you see and far more than I've become. I'm glad you noted that because, Keith, on the, the, on the watch-along, I took to camera and I just said, that is a great line. That is a great line. God damn. So uh, we head to the holodeck, and Koloth is doing jazzercise with his batleth to get ready. Dex Good demands, joke, but it doesn't look like that at all. It looks awesome. Most of it did. Uh, Except Dex, the sweatpants. Except the sweatpants. That's right. Uh, Dax demands to come along. When Koloth says no, she gets her own batleth and challenges him to spar to prove You know that, that that's the thumbnail for this video. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I loved, A, her having a very specific configuration for her batlet. Mm-hmm. And just like the very simple VFX of the, ho- of the holodeck, give me the thing, and then zink, shows up in her hand. Also. So cool. Once again, you would, it, I would write this scene. She's got to prove to him that she can still do battle and she, she's going to be okay. So she's going to knock him down. She's u- right. younger. She's, she's spry. She's going to knock him down. But he's the great warrior. So yeah. also a great shot. Damn, that's cool. That's so cool. Um, yeah. But that's not what happens, good. Keith. She's no. good, but she ain't good enough. No. She's good at battling. And Kang and Kor arrive and watch until Dax is bested. But... She's gained Koloth's respect. But Kang is still nope. But you're right. I mean, the fact that she she holds her own but still loses is both you're gaining respect, but it's also, you know, realistic. This dude's been battling for a hundred years. I mean, and, and she's a scientist and a diplomat. Um, just better writing. It's better writing. Um, it's more sophisticated writing. And right foreshadowing that maybe she's going to help the battle in a different way. In a different way. That's right. Exactly. So in Act 3, we uh, go to Quark's, and Dax sits down with Kang, uh, the last holdout, and uh, says he can't deny her right for vengeance. He says he can't dishonor himself by letting her die. And she's like, who's dying? Mm-hmm. Um, love it. It's great. She challenges his honor, and that's what finally works. So she has a different angle for each of the three of them, like you mentioned before. Great, great shot there. Great performance. Just like, just great eye work. Yeah, the whole time I'm thinking too, I was like, it's funny how, and I thought it was just character choices, right? It's funny how this whole situation seems to be weighing on him so much more than the others. I mean, obviously it affects him his son, right? Is it, there's more stakes for him at least, but no, all their sons are dead. Yeah. That's so right. yeah. But you just think, okay, it's a choice. But then we learn in like a couple scenes that the, the knowledge he holds is that that's right. Like it all, everything has a payoff. That's right. He's, he's, he knows stuff that the other people don't. And also their relationship is different, right? She's buddies with the others, but She's the godfather to his son. And so clearly that relationship runs a little bit deeper. Right. Um, 
So, uh, but finally, she gets to go along. So later in Dax's quarters, here's where it comes. Cisco shows up and says, uh, no, yeah, you can't no. go on a murder mission. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And uh, she says, like, I made an oath. And he's like, you made an oath to Starfleet, too. And uh, and he doesn't, he says, you know, you can't break Federation laws. And Dax is like, I'm following Klingon laws. Which makes sense, too, right? Because the Federation is all about respecting other cultures' laws. And, and she's not officially and, and saying, I'm, go- I'm going to be the one murdering this person. I mean, that's clearly the mission. It's clear, like, he doesn't have a lot of jurisdiction right here. I mean, he can give her, he's, and then she's like, don't give me a direct order, and we, we don't hear him do that. Right. Well, because he knows That's that, right, tape, baby. You know, he'd have to fire her. You know, like, because as a Federation, but if she's not representing the Federation, we, we see this with Worf sometimes when he goes off half cocked, he just will go off and, you know, not be representing the Federation. So he's, you know, so Jadzia puts the ball in his court and says, pick a side, bro. And, uh, you know, again, everybody's, this whole episode is about Dax's relationship with the other people in his life and in, in her life, their life and, uh, and how obligation and how, and how they're, how they're all going to navigate that. And it's, it's quick. It's simple. It may, it, it's all that scene needed. Um, it's great. So it's time, it's time to get on with it. So in act four, we get a great shot of the Klingon bird of prey as the four of them zoom off towards the albino. They make a plan for the assault. Dex is wearing kick-ass Klingon ar- armor. That's exactly. I was like, damn, give me that figure. There is a figure of that, Mikey. Oh, we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but there Mikey is a figure of that. Okay, well, uh, I, you know, what you do in the privacy of your own home with said figure is entirely your choice. Uh, I, I mean, it's probably, you know, uh, more of a stroll than a hike for her. To, <laughs> it's not Everest she'll be climbing. All right, so Albino's defenses are suspiciously weak. Dax urges them to be smart in their attack, but Kang wants to do a full frontal attack. The three Klingons are pumped to die in full battle. Full frontal, frontal. attack. <sighs> okay, well, I look forward to our season desist from poor Terry Farrell. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, the Klingons want to die, but Dax shamed. is like, I'd like to survive. But then, privately, with Dax, because uh, she can tell something's up, Kang admits that he's been in communication with the albino. And that the albino also wants to do one final battle and be done with it all. And he admits, uh, this is a suicide mission. So Dax says, I think you Klingons embrace death too easily. You treat death like a lover. I think living is a lot more attractive. Uh, another great freaking line. 
uh, Dax has an idea to knock out all of their phasers with tetrion particles, essentially throw an EMP down there. This would mean that all combat would be hand-to-hand with batlets and not phasers. Hell yeah. So they finish Act 4 by cloaking, uh, but off-screen to save money, so we just hear the cloaking sound. As the ship goes by, you wouldn't even notice it if you weren't a nerd like me paying attention to such things. Um, but in these shots, you know, the, the great interior of the, uh, of the Klingon Bird of Prey, always, I, I've always thought that this, the Klingon Bird of Prey is one of the coolest looking ships that Star Trek ever made. Um, and of course it's iconic. We see it through. Oh, dude, uh, remember Star yesterday we were, play, we were playing the game when it decloaked, even in like 1994 CGI, computer CGI, it looked awesome. Well, that was a Romulan Warbird. Oh, that's a Warbird, yeah, sorry. Even, but even also very cool, cool. yeah. I, I, I have them both on the wall behind me. So, in Act 5, they arrive outside a fancy house in Los Angeles, and Dax has already noticed that the albino is cheating, planting mines. Uh, curious how they did the visual effects shot of the tricorder before Palm Pilots. So hmm. this shot right here... Um, I'm curious how they did this, right? Because it it is a moving graphic there. Because usually that's just a like a flat, transparent piece of plastic with a light behind it. But there's movement on there, which leads me to believe it's an actual display. But I don't think they had the. Did we have like a, like a like a, a style of palm pilot or something that could do that graphic, or do they do that in post? It's like a tamagotchi. If yeah, right. Because if they did it in post, it looks fantastic. It's really well integrated. That seems very practical to me. But It looks really practical. I'm curious how they did that. Um, Adam but- Savage on Tested does a lot of work, a lot of videos on weathering. We talk about it a lot. Like, you know, the paint jobs are great. And we yeah. talk about it in toys as well. Paint jobs are great. But there are people's jobs who is not to paint. It's it's post paint and it's just weathering. So whoever weathered that device is did a great job. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's Distresses, you know, the tricorder you know, is such weathering. an iconic uh, thing there. It's literally just a piece of plastic with stickers on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is such a. But I'm I'm really curious about that display. Well, Keith know. taught me that the difference between tricorder and the medical tricorder is that one's got a doodad on it. It's got the it's got the little goober you you wave over people, yeah, which is yeah. important, especially if like a thousand pound pipe falls on you and you're just left for dead. That's right. Uh, yeah, check out Keith and Mike play. Uh, in your Patreon feed at patreon.com slash K&M and then eventually dropping into the regular feed. But you know you want to get it soon, right? Yeah, come on, get the goodness. We we haven't actually filmed it yet, but we are going to do that. We're 100% going to finish that game because that was really fun. Yep. Keith, so, I already have uh, a list I haven't showed you yet, but I got a list of a couple other adventure games I want to play through. And there's a brand new narrative Star Trek Adventure being released in March, and we might be getting on that right away. So we got to finish the other game before that. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. We sure do. I mean, we only do like six hours of content a week anyway, on top of our full-time jobs. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so they make a plan. Koloth takes out the first Tron Extra. Then they begin the attack. Dak takes out the next one. Dax does. Then they blow up the armory. Boom. And we see a, uh, here's the, the Tron, <laughs> just like walks up and chats. Hey! Hey, what's up? And there's the albino. Uh, but when they blow up the armory, we get a great practical explosion effect, uh, which 
I'm assuming that's a miniature that they blew up. Um, I don't think I got a good shot of it. Oh, you didn't get the boom? I don't think I got the boom. Boo. Uh, anyway, you can check it out on, uh, you know, on wherever you watch your Deep Space Nine. So after the explosion, you the guards You could watch it all... with me, Keith, on patreon.com slash KNM. I watch every week, and you can watch Ooh, it with me. Ooh, good point. So the guards all hubbub and discover that their phasers don't work. The Obino calls for them all to assemble and fix bayonets. Then the power goes out. The Klingons attack more extras and break into the Albina's room. And uh, great line, jumping in, uh, look upon your executioner, killer of children. Yeah. I feel like that's how I should enter most rooms. Here it is. And they have, and they do it in this great shadow, which is cool. Do like practical fire. Yeah, that's right. That's where they jump in and, and do the line. So badass. Yeah. Uh, and so it's there all more... been earned. This, yeah. like, you know, how we, we, we make fun of the double axe handle on a lot of like the hokey right. action sequences, but we got to see some training montages. We got to hear of their battles of yore. We've, we've, earned every second of this upcoming battle sequence and for some reason even though we've had hokey adventure battle sequences in star trek before because of the way this episode paced itself i was i felt in very comfortable hands here with the fight Corey. i was looking forward yeah. to it and i was looking forward to the finish or the sorry i mixed my wrestling terms i was looking forward to how it would resolve yeah yeah and you know it's also funny to think about all of these klingons have grappled with kirk huh so, I mean, obviously, they're on the original series, so they all battled Kirk. So, uh, they, uh, they battle, battle, battle. The Tron extras drop like flies. But then Koloth is stabbed. They fight, fight, fight some more. Then Kor gets stabbed. And we see Koloth die on our screen. Then Kang faces off with the albino. They fight up the stairs. And Kang's batleth breaks, and the albino stabs Kang. But then Dax comes in and disarms him. The albino taunts her and dares him to kill him in cold blood. And we really build up to the moment. We're like, is Dax going to kill him? What's going to happen? What is she going to do? Well, we never find out for sure, because Kang stags, stabs him with his dagger, then Kang dies. Uh, There's that shot where they wanted a close-up. Yeah, they, they couldn't didn't get, get it. it. You know, again, more battling with backlight there, but it looks great. So, uh, yeah, so we never see whether or not Dax would do the kill herself. Um, and so, well, it's it's even better than that, Keith, because it looks as though Terry Farrell's giving us uh, a a that she's wrestling at least the yeah. very least she's wrestling but the way that kang describes what took place was his assumption is that you saved the kill for me now whether he's doing that to give her the honor or he really thinks that it's there's so much ambiguity well and, or right because there's there's so many different layers to that right because you know a would she have killed him in the first place is the hesitation there her wrestling like you said or is she buying time for him to do it? Because he's about then, to die, right? And why? The, what a better way. And why is she buying time? Is it to give him the honor of the kill or because she doesn't want to do it? Then her thanking her for that, is that thanking her 
you know, like, thank you for giving me the honor of the kill, or am I giving you an out for not having killed him? Or Keith, and in the best of ways, this is one of my favorite things about therapy. We talk about a lot of we as human beings in our condition spend so much time attempting to identify things one way or the other, right? When in reality, we feel all emotions all at once. It's very possible that in this scene, Keith, it's all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. Probably is. Probably is. And and, uh, And it makes more of a point that way rather than forcing the point down our throat. Well, and, and, you know, what are Klingons all about? Honor, right? And, and what is going on in that transaction between the three of them about 15 different explorations of honor, mm. right? The the albino is trying to save face by being brave, but challenging her honor, you know, like putting her, her honor in a box. Kill me or don't kill me. One way, you know, you, you win and lose with both. And then Dax doing, you know, like, okay, you know what I mean? All, all that kind of stuff. It's really, really complex and interesting all in that little standoff there. Uh, but Kang, Kang then dies, and Dax and Kor are the only survivors. And Kor begins to sing in Klingon, um, which I thought was pretty, An pretty excellent. Sweet. Excellent moment of stillness. The sound design there is really, really pin droppy, and the the mourning and and in her face in the in the sound of his of the vocal performance really really stellar. Yeah, I mean and. And all the, I mean, the, all the lighting and the, you know, you've, you've got smoke in there to make the lights pop. Really, really cool. Now, Keith, you could end the episode here. And I would have been like 100%. But. But. They choose not to do that. They double down. We head back to Ops. And Dax arrives. And uh, she's unsure of how Cisco is going to react. So right here on the watch along, Mike looks to camera and says, if they had balls and had confidence there's no dialogue in this last scene and guess what keith not a word sack up not a word she looks at cisco cisco looks at her we we trust avery brooks to be able to convey <laughs> maybe not in that <laughs> screenshot uh <laughs> to convey the disappointment the anger and the respect and the acknowledgement that we're not going to ever speak of this again, all in a facial expression. And then we repeat it with Kira. And we see Kira's understanding of what Dax has just gone through and the sort of bittersweet, sad connection that they now share that they've no, they weren't able to share before, and it's sad that they're able to both understand that. Uh, not a word, not a damn word of dialogue, and we go to credits, and that is blood oath. Uh, let's do some trivia, and then let's talk about this. And episode. now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek vocabulary quiz. Your first word, very simply, what's a batleth? Oh, Keith, that's uh, a really badass boot shiv that is removed from the boot and used as a shiv shiv. It's a Klingon sword. Yeah, it's like that crescent sea sword thingy. All right, and uh, next up, 
what's a Klingon afternoon? Well, Keith, when you're just a lowly shapeshifter trying to get your GD work done, and the next thing you know, you're spending your whole time parading around some uh, some drunken Klingon and his and his pals, when you got other shit to do, it's a Klingon afternoon. Yeah, it sure is. All right, let's come along home. Okay. Okay, here we are at Quark's. I'm drinking from uh, Quark's own glass here, yeah. provided to us by CEO Jen. It's a, uh, it's perfect, perfect place to sit down and uh, toast this episode. Toast our fallen, begin. our fallen comrades. That's right. We'll begin as we always do with wormholes in the plot. Were Oof. there any wormholes, Mike? They did such a good job of like catching yeah. us up the lore, catching us up with everybody's motivations. I think I can officially say I didn't catch any wormholes that bothered me enough to really track them. No. No, I don't I don't think so either. I mean, the why do the Klingons look different uh, get explained later, and I think in a pretty satisfactory way. Um, and I just wish they hadn't changed them for Discovery. Uh, all the things about Discovery that bug me, that might be number one. Uh... So, no, I thought it was friggin' tight. So, uh, Mike, what was your favorite moment? Well, I've so many, there's so much good stuff. Um, well, we're going to have an opportunity to discuss it. I don't want to, uh, th- I really think I want to spend my time on this once again talking about that last scene where there's, yeah. in an episode where the dialogue was so good and the pacing was so good and the action was so good, I want to pick the scene where none of that happens. They don't even say a, they say a thing. They just sit in it. They made they 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 had this episode. They blew it up, and the smoke's just in the air, and we're just going to sit in that smoke and let the viewers have thirty seconds of just thinking about it and leaving us there. That is ballsy, and so that's my favorite moment. Yeah, yeah, boy. I mean, uh, the whole thing is just so solidly constructed. I think, um, well, my favorite character in the show is core um he's certainly by far the most likable of the three but i think the conversation that she has about honor with kang Mm. um and and their past his performance was so good uh i think other i i agree with you i think the nonverbal acting was probably the best part um but that was a scene that i really liked the scene with her and kira excellent i love the scene with her the scene with her and ben Excellent. There's not a scene in this that is a toss away. It's the yeah. even the edit. We've 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 thanked everybody else. Yeah. The editor had a keen eye. There was no fat on this episode. Ed is yeah. lean as hell. Everything is necessary. All right. Uh the only thing that's necessary for us now is to throw out some self-sealing stem bolts. So up to this point, Keith, I think the episodes that have resonated with me the most have been the bottle episodes, have been those kind of sort of two-handers where we're stuck in an elevator or we're uh, trapped on a planet and and, uh, O'Brien's sick and we gotta, the boys gotta figure out, you know, episodes like that. We're interrogating a war criminal. Yeah. 
But here's one that had the, it's a kitchen sink episode. Incredible guest actors. We see the majority of our main cast, meh, the majority. We see, we have interior shots. We have exterior shots. We've got uh, special effects. We've got battle sequences too. We've got training montages. We've got multiple characters with multiple motivations. We're learning about old blood oaths. There's so much happening. Could easily easily get messy, but but we do all that with one storyline. It's an a. It's a one. It's an A story. That's true. There is no B story. There's no C story. And we only see other characters in the episode who will who have agency and who have something to add, even if it's a small one scene. Right. You take this episode and remove the Kira bits. Still great, but there's a melancholy she adds. There's a weight yeah. she adds. A perspective. Right. Um. Because she offers, she offers an out. There's so many outs well, for she, Jadzia here. So many Kira outs. Kira establishes the stakes uh, for Dax's humanity or trilled manity. Yeah, and 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 Ben offers the professional stakes. Right. So every so that's agency on both their parts, but they also offer her the freedom to make up her own mind. Which right. exists in a gray area that I don't know that Captain Picard's making that same choice. He does not make it as easily as Cisco does, for sure. So, I mean, and then Jadzia, and one of the things I love about Terry Farrell's performance here, now that I'm thinking about it, and sorry, I'm thinking in real time here, is you see a clear distinction about the Jadzia portion of her. And the Curzon portion of her. And mm. you think that this is going to be an episode about them wrestling with one another, but it is not. It is an episode about her recognizing and somehow performing the integration of them, the agreement betwixt them that this yeah. blood oath is important to them because family. And, yeah. and that yeah. familial tie to the, to the godson, it transcends – the sort of alien symbiosis of the whole thing and it becomes something we as human beings outside of science fiction understand. I'm doing right. this because it was it's family and it's a promise I made because and it's I don't I know she's wrestling with it, but I was never wrestling with it. I was like, you gotta do it. You gotta do what you yeah. gotta do. Well, and and I think that it also teaches us something a little bit specific to Dax as opposed to the Trills. And this is going to be a thing. We've explored this a little bit before, and I think we're going to continue to explore it, that Dax's ties to their past lives are a little bit stronger than most other mm. trills. I think that most other trills in this situation would be like, that's Curzon's thing. That's not my thing. Sort of like the law is set up. Um, and there's going to be some really key moments moving forward that are going to address that, you know, Dax thinks about this a little differently than your typical trill. So, so there's our stakes and there's those performances. So now look, create me a big bad, create me a big bad who is, a, who has done de devious things, murdered th uh, f three sons through children. Yeah. yeah th children through, Pretty crazy. They don't really go into the the depths of the scientific how he did this genetic thing. It was a thing. genetic yeah. virus, yeah. It doesn't matter. He did it. It's pretty underhanded. On top of that, do it without us ever seeing him. We see him at the end, right. and even at the end, he still continues to be bad because he made this promise about how we're going to get together and have this hand-to-hand. -to -hand. But the whole time, he doesn't have any honor. 
right? And, and if, if this were the two-hour movie, I'd love to know more about his motivations sure, and, and all of that. But, but, he, but he's, a, he's a paper tiger here. But still, f- fueled enough and motivated enough that it doesn't feel two-dimensional, right? You know there's backstory there. Yeah, I'd love to know it, but it's there. It's on the screen. It's it's motivated. The actor does a great performance. I think the way he treats his like underlings is is very is an indicative enough of who he is as a character and the fact that he set up a trap, even though he he's you know like and they kind of knew it was a trap, but then it is a tra- it, right. it it works. I'm gonna just reiterate some things I said before. All the fight choreo, yeah, okay, for the most part, really really well done. It's a lot better than yes. your standard track and. And in order to kind of gloss that over, it's shot perfectly. And you know, it's a lot of long shots, a lot of smoke, a lot of darkness, a lot of intention. Um, and they're able to establish, because of the lure of them and the, some of the training sequences we've seen, that they are great. So we just assume. We, we fill in a lot of those gaps ourselves. Um, the pacing, excellent. Never lagged. Never felt like, okay, we already talked about this. They got the exposition in when they needed to. And they jumped and they kept adding bits. Everything, every bit of dialogue, every extra scene, all was cohesive and played towards the final, the act. Amongst all of these amazing performances, once again, Terry Farrell. Yeah. More than holds her own, Keith. I think she takes the episode. She makes it her own. She fills it. Every scene she's in, she makes the other actor better. Uh, It's an incredible bit of storytelling and acting. Well, and she's got to carry this whole. Uh, oh. There's, there's not a single scene she's not in. And then take that, take her, and stick her in uh, Klingon battle armor, and make that be cool, awesome, right. and cool. You know, it's not even like they don't even like do the thing where they could have been. They've done in the past. Oh, make her look real cute and cutesy and hot in it. What? No, you know, like no, she's going to war. Uh, everything is subverting intention purposefully, which yeah. I think is wonderful. I just thought this was great. Cinematic. This was on television. This aired on network TV. I can't even imagine Syndicated TV. where they would have put the commercials in this. Like, obviously, I see where the commercials go. But, like, right, right. it just played. Like, dude, if you're telling me now that this is what this show is going to be every week, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do. How are we going to We've got to change our rankings. Show's better than this every week. I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah. So I want to I want to go crazy here, but I'm trying to leave room only because you and everybody keeps telling me every week. They're like, wait, till you, wait, just wait, just wait. And I'm like, how is this possible? Right. How where are we going? We're we're we are nowhere near the meat of this series. So, Keith, yet. here's what I'm going to do. I'm making two huge proclamations here. OK. OK. All right. I'm going to give this 95 self-sealing stem bolts. Now, at some point now, I'm giving you the entire agency here. Yeah, you get to blow it all up. You get to reset and say mm. we're going to change it. It's no longer self sealing stem bolts. Everything changes. The scoring system changes. We can establish what that is when we get there. You have to decide though, because it's clear to me that we're going to clearly we're warping somewhere. So when the time comes and you feel that the warp has taken place or is about to take yeah. place, you get. Oh, the, I'm giving you the, the the superpower to to blow it up and reboot the scoring system. Patrons, yeah. viewers, if you have funny or clever ideas as to what we should call that or whatnot, please let them below. But Keith yeah. and Keith alone gets to decide when we flip the switch. No, that's that's really interesting because we're we're not far off. Like we're we are because far and away this is the best episode that I have seen 
it, and it fills me with just so much excitement for me. Yeah, I mean, oh boy. I I really like this episode. I think it's an I think it's an excellent episode. It's it, it, you know, it's it's definitely up there with anything that we've seen thus far. It's not in the top 25. Okay, well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not um so uh we haven't you know we, I, I think we've only seen one of the top 25 episodes of the entire series so far uh maybe the top 35 episodes uh so but anyway i but i, I do think it's an excellent episode and i and i i, I think we've talked ad nauseum about why but one of the things that i just like to highlight in this um is one of the themes that we're going to be exploring a lot more moving forward, and that is Dax's specific relationship with Klingons. Mm. And that Dax has a very specific knowledge and understanding and interest in the Klingons. And we haven't really had very much, Kling you know, we had Lursa and Bator in the second episode, and we've seen the, you know, the the Klingon restaurant, but the Klingons are a are, are a bigger part of this series than they are next gen. Mm. Like that, they are a huge part of Deep Space Nine, and Dax's relationship with them is very important. And I think it's it's really uh, interesting and a nice wrinkle that I don't know, you know, what they're, you know. How much they knew about where they were going thus far with this to sprinkle this in, whether it was just a an aside idea or whether they knew how important that was going to be moving forward. Um, but I love it. I th I think it's great. Um, so we've got uh, we've got a lot of more a lot more Klingon afternoons coming up. So, um, you know, is this episode a ninety five for me? No, it's there's nothing. I have no complaints really. I think it's I think it's it's rock solid from top to bottom, but it's not transcendent yet. Um, so uh, for me, it's going to get, but it's going to get a very good rating. It's going to get ninety one okay. self sealing stem bolts from me for Blood Oath. So uh, so exciting! I'm so excited to to have talked about this episode. I've been looking looking forward to this one. Um, it is it is grad. There was uh, somebody on on uh, YouTube the other day talking about who just discovered this show mm -hmm. and and is plowing through the episodes I'm i seeing. mean oh my that's god that's awesome i i recommend i uh, uh think it's cool but 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 what they said was our setup was the reason he thought he wasn't gonna like the show mm -hmm. meaning you've never seen the show right and it turned out to be the thing that he likes most about it and I and I said that too, and, and it's absolutely the truth that for me, the reason I wanted to do this show, the whole purpose of this show, it's not to get views, it's not to do the show, it's not whatever, it's to watch Deep Space Nine again through your eyes. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen it so many times, and every time, like, oh man, I wish I could see this again for the first time. And this is the closest that any of us can get to for anybody watching this. I'm, you know, I'm sure most of you have seen the show and, and, and already know all of this. So this sort of no pressure, Mike, but this whole show hinges on watching this show again through your eyes. Well, that it's is testing a hypothesis, point. right? Like, so, so for, for my 
vantage point, it, it, it's different. It's, it's talk about subverting expectation. So my whole thing was I, I felt like I couldn't enjoy Star Trek because I didn't do it back in the day. And it seems like an impenetrable right. fortress now. But at the end of the day, it just tells stories, man. We're just telling yeah, stories that's it. To, a, to an audience, and I'm now just watching it. I'm listening, it, right? right. And, and, and the pressure you took off me by saying, hey, it's cool. You don't need to know any of this stuff. We're going to watch it from the beginning. And I was like, oh, okay. And it removed that. And so I'm able to enjoy it. So it's, it's benefiting me in that way. But also, uh, I had another point, and I've lost it. So get used to that. <laughs> oh, no, I, I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> you had it for a second, then it's gone. Yeah. So it, 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 it's cool. Oh, oh, oh. And it kind of lets you test a hypothesis. Like, here's this thing that I loved, but did I just love it then? Do I love, will I love it again? Will I love yeah. it? Will somebody else love it as much as me? And well, yeah, will Mike also think this is cool? Yeah. Um, and just like things, I, I'll tell you what, my anecdotally, but watching back in the day, I remember seeing the Quark character be like, this I, is not for me. No. And then seeing the Odo character and being like, stupid, no. I remember seeing that. And now I'm like, what, was, yeah. what, what are you basing that on? They're fucking awesome. Well, but the, the thing that makes Star Trek work, in my opinion, is the integrity of the universe. Mm. Right? It's how all of these seasonings work together and and you know does does the logic hold up what you know if you watch a quark episode by itself and you've never seen anything else it's a lot but if you mix that in with the rest of the knowledge of the world if you know the whole layout you know you know what this character relates to the other characters how this episode relates to other episodes in the season it's a it's a whole universe that gets deeper and more interesting the further you get into it, but right. it's, it's not impenetrable. It is, you know, that the whole point of Star Trek is to be welcoming is to invite more people into, and, and, and diversity and cultures. And that's the whole, the whole freaking point. And so it's not the type of show that does like a, you know, that does this. Well, Keith, um, yeah, we're welcoming people in right now. Uh, I know that YouTube is starting to throw us into some, more people's recommended we'll feeds. We'll see. But Keith and I do other shows. And so we welcome we you to check those out. And I welcome you to join me on my actual first viewing experience every week. And you can do yeah. so by joining the team at patreon.com slash KNM. Lots of other bonus stuff. Uh, we thank these patrons. We thank them again. Get your name on the list. Uh, but also, you can help us in a couple of other ways. Uh, likes, like us down below. Give us a thumbs up. Hit the notification bell. Uh, subscribe to the channel. That helps us. The numbers help, turns out. Um, also, telling a friend, we were talking to Anne the Mysterious, one of our, our patrons, who says she's been uh, an evangelist for the show, whether it works or not, but just that act means a lot. It means a tremendous amount. Uh, if, you're, if you're on chat boards or whatnot, Star Trek or beyond, or just entertainment, yeah, you can, you can sure. pop that. And, Very helpful. And also, check out the K&M &E, Geekly uh, show, because that's just Keith and I kind of being... Uh, just upfront and honest about talking about stuff. And uh, if you enjoy kind of what we got going on, you want to be part of that friendship, you can join us. We just appreciate it. We 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 like the eyeballs. We love the support. And uh, we welcome you to the team. 100%. Uh, and check out Look at My Star Trek Toys. Yeah, the show. Uh the, yeah, the, the 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 main show here on our show. Uh, and if you're listening to the audio-only version of this, uh, you can leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting service of your choice. That would be very helpful as well to get some earballs 
uh, on our show, and we appreciate that as well. We will see you back next week with The Maquis Part 1. Ooh. Ooh, indeed. We've got a two-parter coming up. So we will see you back next week. See you uh, on all the other days that we do other things. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.